Think Fit, Be Fit, effective thinking for potent workouts. Think Fit, Be Fit is dedicated to creating a new conversation about your exercise. Our podcast helps to uncover how the fitness industry has misled us. And it will show you that if you believe in your ability to improve your body through exercise, you don't need to rely on diluted or shallow information. My name is Jen Schwartz. I'm the founder of Think Fit Be Fit podcast. As a full-time muscle activation technique specialist, strength and conditioning coach, and detailed-oriented personal trainer, I developed this podcast to help ensure that your time in the gym is well spent and that you have the power of enhancing your exercise with effective thinking. This podcast is an educational resource designed for those who have overcome injury and want to stay healthy in the gym. I have seen miraculous changes in my clients, pain, discomfort, and their training progress by working on the health of their neuromuscular system. This podcast uncovers the tools that I have used repeatedly to help my clients consistently exercise without pain. Hello, hello. Think fit, be fit. Fit fam, I have been so ready to record this podcast. It's one of my favorite subjects because I think about them often, I work with them often, and I train them often. And that is uh, hamstrings. So as you may know, Think Fit Be Fit doesn't just cover one subject, like especially something as important as the hamstrings. And we don't cover it once. I get into the details and teaching anatomy and telling you what I do with myself and what I do with my clients. And I simply can't share all of that valuable information in one podcast episode. So this is our second podcast episode on the hamstrings. Today, I want to walk you through a thought process, a little brain journey on what truly helps weak hamstrings. And just to review, the last episode was about hamstrings that are tight consistently, hamstrings that just won't quit. In today's episode about weak hamstrings, I am going into five different versions of how hamstring weakness plays out and really cool pieces about anatomy and function of the hamstrings that will deepen your connection and your truly your ability to strengthen and challenge your hamstrings. I will also be letting you in on my secrets for my training. And actually works for hamstring weakness and even tightness. Remember, part of the problem solving method that I laid out in the last episode is the possibility that your hamstrings are tight because there's some muscle weakness around them or in them. You'll want to listen if you've had some type of knee injury in your past 
this is definitely part of my wheelhouse and my expertise and the medicine that I share with people is helping strengthen help to help strengthen weak knees and weak hamstrings. You'll also want to listen if you're an athlete, soccer players, any field athlete that has to do a lot of turning, quick jumps, sudden movement, so really any athlete. And runners, of course, uh, have a lot of uh, talk and buzz about hamstrings because they get injured a lot. And for those who want to know more about strength training of any kind for the hamstring, so a lot of people just have a couple go-to moves for their hamstrings, like the deadlift. And the deadlift is pretty great and pretty cool, but I will say if you really want to take care of these muscles and your joints, hips and knees and feet, Uh, you really need more versatility in your program. All right, so let's get started. And I will say this, I had a great time getting ready for this episode. I am learning and reviewing along with you. Studying and revisiting anatomy and sharing this knowledge is something I truly enjoy And it is so important to share the science-based thinking about the this uh, truly cool uh, group of muscles. Therefore, our goal for today is to say if the hamstrings will respond to the correct stimulus, the exercise, if you know how to apply which type of exercise, then you will have a solid approach to training these important muscles. The trick is understanding that there is some complexity to solving and dialing in this problem. For me, I'm particularly interested as an MAT specialist, as a soccer injury prevention expert, And as a person who has had three knee surgeries and is one of the, this is one of the drivers to this passion that I have for injury prevention and helping people with old injuries stay injury free. I have torn my ACL ligaments, as some of you may know. And as we speak today, this morning, both of my ACLs are ruptured. Now, I haven't had an MRI to recheck on them or uh, see if I could follow up on some research that is saying that these structures can grow back, even though that was once thought to be an obsolete idea. I have relied solely on strengthening my hamstrings with muscle activation techniques and taking care of the nerves that run through them and of course uh, staying active Um, even though I don't have these passive structures in my knee I can squat pretty deep and 
do some running and some sprinting and I even do some change of direction because I'm demonstrating some of the drills for injury prevention for soccer players or runners and um, I've relied solely on these things and that's super uh, solely I say solely it's just like a main directive because there's obviously so much more involved here so not going to get uh, too excited I want to get you guys this quality information so like I said the trick here is understanding the complexity that there is some complexity you don't need to open up a biomechanics book but knowing more about the anatomy and the function is going to help you that is I hope been well established through the think fit be fit model and new way to think about your exercise and to upgrade your exercise so anatomy all right this is might be a big wow moment or you might already know this and they do have quite a reputation in the fitness industry I think they have a the you know the more uh well-known the muscle the more it there is a correlation to stupid beliefs about these muscles so um okay so they bend the knee let's get that out of the way there are eight or nine muscles that bend the knee hamstrings are four of those so yeah there's much more to it Uh, three of the four hamstrings are two joint muscles that means it crosses the hip and the knee joint this makes them pretty special the architecture uh, is interesting they have um, a few of them have really long tendons and that has made them a a target for ACL reconstruction surgeries which is not a good idea in my humble opinion and yeah the tendons are pretty long and that's just that's the architecture and also makes them special there are lateral hamstrings meaning closer to the outside of your body and medial hamstrings meaning more in towards the midline of the body the lateral hamstrings i this i think is very cool and even fascinating they have two different innervations so they're called bicep femoris long head and bicep femoris short head the detail is important with any person with knee instability so and it's let's not get too choked up the short head of bicep femoris is innervated by the peroneal nerve and the long head of bicep femoris is innervated by the tibial nerve the long head is a two joint muscle and the short head is a single joint muscle at the knee the two heads these two lateral hamstrings have the highest frequency of tears and this may be why one reason uh, so moving on it's just if anyone with knee instability i think you really need to just take a note there then you have two medial hamstrings this is the this is the group that has a long dis- tendon semi-tendinosis and semi-membranosis those are their names and 
They're special because of their long tendon. And based on the structure determines function thought process that I learned in the RTS program, there's a cause to pause on that and say, why are these longer on one side and why are these lateral ones uh, easy to tear? And those are the kind of questions I could nerd out on with another RTS fellow uh, student. <laughs> it's a pivot time, kind of a pun, because pivoting in, in sports is definitely a knee-dominant uh, <laughs> motion. The function of the hamstrings. So I just mentioned something called structure determines function. This is where it comes in. If we understand more about the structure, then we can apply this knowledge, this anatomy knowledge. It becomes functional knowledge, and we understand why we're even doing something in the first place, and we have more connection to our exercise. I feel very strongly about this. The, and I will also say, I believe my clients are, one of the reasons they are loyal to me is because I spend time explaining these things. Structure determines function for their muscles and they have these aha moments like, oh, that's why we're doing this. That's why I should be doing this. And it makes, it creates this more compliant relationship with exercise. Now I'm here giving it to you for free and okay the function the mechanics of this group of muscles they're basically complicated we do know this muscles are active constraints or restraints muscles are active restraints on joints so when we talk about injuries and injury prevention and why hamstrings are so uh vulnerable to tightness and weakness and injuries and we know that there are two joint muscles most of them or yeah three out of the four then we can uh, start to talk about them as active restraints and all muscles are active restraints just as much as muscles move the bones they also prevent them from moving and that is a protective that keeps the bones in place it's not necessarily a protective mechanism it is a guard for the more passive structures so if we didn't have active constraints we would essentially have more wear and tear onto our ligaments our bones uh, tendons and cartilage and all of that it is one of the main underlying functions of what muscles do it holds our skeleton together uh, you know, with all the other soft tissues. But the ligaments, bones, tendons, they have a much more different passive role, whereas the muscles actively control and they contract, hold things in place all day long. That's all they do. And then they move our bones. <laughs> That's all they do, contract, pull, and hold things still. This is also 
one of the reasons I rely so heavily on isometric exercise. So essentially, this hamstring function chit-chat that we're having is the why of so many of the decisions that I make to help people. And do I need to do more to convince you to pay attention to these important parts of the podcast lecture episodes? So hamstrings in particular guard and support the more passive structures of the knee. When we have an injury like uh, cartilage damage, meniscus damage, ligament strain, ligament tear, we have to strengthen our hamstrings because those two hard things that you feel underneath the knee on both sides in the back, those are tendons, they become active and passive. And that's not become, they become one, you know, one more than the other at different moments or seconds in time. And that is complicated, but very interesting piece of engineering as well. So the hamstrings have to work, you know, a lot. And part of that lot that I just mentioned is they have to work eccentrically to stabilize the hip and the knee. So they change their function based on the position of the foot or the hip. That action, the eccentric loading lengthening, like a deadlift, requires a lot of strength, a lot of, of strain, and a lot of energy. So this is probably another reason why the hamstrings are really vulnerable. They have to do this eccentric contracting a lot more than other muscles. And of course, that's based on their structure and therefore that's their function. They are also involved in quick and sudden movements. So they are amazing workers for decelerating actions, abilities. So, mm, wow, they deserve, they do deserve a lot of this chit chat on the internet that they get and all the YouTube searches. Their force producing capability at the knee is dictated by how much the hip is flexed. Greater hamstring force is produced when the hip is flexed because the hamstrings are lengthened across the hip like a deadlift. And back to that two joint muscle thing, these two joint muscles have a lot of functions. They have a lot of jobs. So are they the CEO of the knee? I don't know. Please don't quote me on that. That was so lame, but I don't know. It's a good question, I think. Now that we have somewhat hammered in this concept of structure determines function and why we might pay attention to these weak hamstrings, let's get into the five different variations of hamstring weakness, like how it plays out. So some some examples, I'll be as specific as possible with respect to every skeleton is unique and your hamstrings and my hamstrings, we have, we are different and we might have the same anatomy points, but maybe our architecture is different. And that, ooh, I'll just get in, 
with respect to all of us being different, but also the same. <laughs> uh, there's just all these little variations in someone's motion and their structure. So it's not all vanilla, black and white, which is why I had to spend 50 minutes explaining why stretching, um, why, you're, why some hamstrings don't respond to stretching. In fact, four out of the five uh, scenarios of underlying reasons for hamstring tightness don't respond to stretching. So again, it's not vanilla. So here we go. I'd like to start with dysfunctional hamstrings. And I have an example of what this is, how I view it in my own body, and how I view it in my clients, how they present it, and uh, an example of what it might play out, how it might feel. Okay, guys, we got to take a quick break. I love floating. Um, I'm going to give you an awesome referral code to Synergy Float Center in Alexandria, Virginia. These floats have truly changed my fitness and my workouts and my focus. So Synergy Float Center in Alexandria, Virginia, they have all kinds of stuff like meditation, uh, magnetic therapies. Anyways, referral code BK978059 and SynergyFloatCenter.com. Um, again, like this is for your active recovery. It's for your sleep. Uh, my sleep has never been better since I started floating. And oh gosh, your um, hormones will benefit. Your mood will benefit. I cannot speak highly enough of it. And I can't wait to introduce you to more uh, science and clinical info on floating. But for now, Synergy Float Center in Alexandria, Virginia. Use my discount code BK978059 to get your discount for your first float. Okay, back to the show. That's a good place to start. How would dysfunctional hamstrings feel? How would they present themselves? This might feel like your knee wants to give out. It, this would happen in a lunge. So if your left leg is going behind you in a lunge and you feel a weird and but a not a soft stopping point so your body kind of like jerks and it happens through the knee and the hamstring it like gives out for tenth of a second that's that I think that's a great example this would present itself if we were doing a dynamic warm-up and just bending our knee on one side let's use our left again and the motion couldn't be, be produced quickly enough. So let's say your right has a very specific cadence, like one, two, three, and then your left it gets stuck between two of those numbers. So that would be a good example of it. How I view this in my clients 
is I would I have them on a table and they're face down or prone. I have their upper body relaxed and make sure that they're not laterally flexed or bent through the spine. Then I make sure that their ankles are in a neutral position. So I'll put maybe a, uh, a light foam roller under their ankles to elevate them a little bit. And then I watch their knee bend slowly and then quickly. And then I compare that to the other leg, so left and right, right and left. Then I have them do the same thing and I put my hand on their lower back to see if there's any extra compensatory motion happening. So what we'll find with a dysfunctional hamstring complex is that one knee will bend and the hip will rotate a little bit and that'll lift the pelvis up and there'll be some action in the lower back versus the other leg will just bend and will have a clean start to finish with motion visibly happening just at the knee and not at the hip or the um, lower back. And this can work the other way too where you see someone's ankle and toes uh, like flex and tighten up as they bend their knee. So self-evaluation, you could use your phone, you know, just set it up to record yourself and then look at it. It will literally take 10 seconds. Or you could have, uh, you can't really look in a mirror. You would have to record yourself doing it. Then how I test this in myself is the prone hamstring machine. I have access to a Cybex machine, a prone hamstring leg curl machine, and I do one leg at a time. I start with it pretty light, uh, 15 to 20 pounds. Then I pull the weight with one leg, and then I do it with the other leg. It usually turns out I'm always I'm usually looking for my left leg to be the the one crapping out. So that's either that will show up in either the starting position where my leg is straight. It could happen during the lift. I could feel less motor control, which requires slow controlled motion to extract that kind of data. It can happen that the left actually doesn't get the weight as far as the right side and I can feel it because my right one will come all the way up and I'll feel it graze like the bottom of my butt and the left one won't get there. I could also record myself doing this because I got a cool case to do that. And if the finding comes back that my left one is crapping out because I know there is a dysfunctional hamstring on my left and that is due to some hip alignment and old knee injury patterns coming from my right and I have a strategy to use when this happens and that happens to be some nerve flossing 
and that might not be for everyone. You really have to figure out if there is an asymmetry first before you start asking for neurologically targeted exercises. So in a nutshell, dysfunctional hamstrings could be related to a weak neural connection. And if that happens when you're running at high speed, it will be catastrophic at for some people, meaning their ligaments will tear, they will hurt their meniscus because the muscles will, hamstrings that passively and actively protect your knees, if they give out and the electrical signal basically isn't that quick, your knee can fail and so will the soft tissues. So... Uh, it's a good one to figure out <laughs> if you think your hamstrings are weak. The second is weakened because of trauma or overuse. And I mentioned this in the previous podcast. And this can cause overly tight hamstrings. It can cause the sensation that there's knots and adhesions. Well, from this podcast chair, I cannot identify what those could be. However, I do know that when there has been a trauma in a tissue, there will be a period of healing. So a strain or tear in a muscle happens when it's at a lengthened or eccentric position and the essentially the external forces around the joint or the joint cannot withstand at that time becomes too much and the tissue has to tear. So this happens microscopically and then on a bigger scale when that muscle even ruptures. So any type of trauma that I would refer to, honestly, I think if it caused a limp at some point, you did some type of trauma to it, even if it's for a day and you thought it was too much uh, deadlifts or too many lunges or jumping or plyometrics. If it caused you to limp the next day, it is trauma. And so with that definition, we have a lot of trauma built up in our muscles. Uh, that's an obvious, so not as obvious as a strain that would take somebody out for three to like nine weeks, whatever the case may be. Anyways, so the tissue cannot withstand. It creates a cascade of effects that would cause muscle weakness up and down the muscle. And that uh, that is problematic and it has to be addressed. Um, I would suggest isometrics. I would suggest very controlled concentric training. I would uh, look for compensation patterns that could happen in a uh, compound lift. Um, not quite a deadlift, but maybe something like a squat or even a single leg a body weight squat or a split squat weak hamstrings are going to show up in each and every one of those in different ways. So in myself, that would show up 
on my right leg. So I've got two, I've got two legs and I've, I'm already telling you, I have two of these weaknesses that I'm describing. So my left leg is more neurological and, or like it doesn't have a good motor connect connection to the motor or the gas pedal. And then my right one has had trauma. I've really, you know, hurt this knee multiple times and that did include, I, I, I can count three hamstring strains that I can remember that actually took me out of play when I was younger and in my 20s. Where the uh, damage was is closer to my knee. So this can happen in the middle, which would be more of a tear. Uh, it can happen towards the tendon, which could be more of a strain. Uh, and then a high hamstring pull does have its own characteristics. So the low hamstring uh, damage that I am familiar with, I'll feel that when I'm jumping rope. I'll, I will feel that when I am using the hamstring machine and the knee is closing or fully bending. I will feel that, did I say lunges? No, definitely feel that in lunges. Any type of running, I would feel like the knee is stiffening up near where that damage was. And this happens every once in a while on the hamstring machine. I don't feel it in, uh, I haven't felt it anywhere outside of that in the last year and a half. <laughs> last time I really felt it was when I was dancing for three, four hours in New York City during a brunch and it was a uh, hammer time if you know what I mean. And in my clients, I've seen this play out many different ways because I'm trying to resolve imbalances from that would occur as a result of like compensation mechanisms from a tear or what led to the tear. So I can't generalize any more on this. It is too broad because like I said, there's, you know, five, muscles we're referring to and each one can play out in different ways but just know that if you had trauma in that in your muscles in your hamstrings and it's not fully addressed it's going and it's it's coming up in your recovery and you're not recovering and in your workouts or after your workouts that is a sign that it's still there if it's something that's happening every day, I would say that is obvious to me that it is still a problem. But if you need to hear this, then okay, it's still an issue and you should res try to resolve that with a some type of muscle specialist. Um, muscle activation techniques is my first choice, obviously. The third version of hamstring weakness is I wrote it down, there it is. Acting as active restraints for the back. This is the theory mentioned in podcast one. So let's dive into that a little deeper. The examples I have for this, I'm thinking of my golfers, definitely. I'm thinking of a one client in particular who likes to ride motorcycles, who also golfs, okay. Um, who else could I put into this category? 
I'm having a difficult time thinking of somebody at a, like very active, but it definitely happens to our folks that sit too much and have tight hamstrings or present as tight hamstrings. So what I'm saying is there's a weakness in the lower back or an abnormal piece of the lower back, meaning a soft tissue like a disc, and the hamstrings are an active restraint or a protective mechanism for that issue in the lower back. And the bottom line is the body and a protective mechanism is telling us something and that something needs to be addressed. It's an underlying factor. On the more positive side, the body is also very resilient when we give it the right information. I've been going on and on about this lower back and potential dysfunction and the hamstrings picking up the slack or literally their active restraints. However, there's a solution and that is finding the underlying cause of the relationships that you're that the hamstrings are or why the hamstrings are presenting as weak so the body is very resilient we were walking around with all types of injuries underneath the surface and they are manageable uh, fixable what i do for clients in this situation everyone's different obviously but if i receive a message from a friend or something on instagram and people are asking me about you know a similar scenario with tight hamstrings lower back dysfunction and they know that they both exist i actually send them towards uh doing activations and movement pathway sequenced exercises for their uh, thoracic spine or the middle of their spine and I start there because it's just interesting that um, it, it, it helps me eliminate the process of well it helps me with a process of elimination and giving them the opportunity to also eliminate the possibility of uh, muscle um, imbalances within the core, within the spine. And with my clients that experience this, I spend a couple sessions working through this. This isn't a simple vanilla answer. This isn't... uh, yeah how many ways can I say that really Uh, it's yeah it requires problem solving hallelujah here we are so let's move on the fourth and fifth are two different muscle imbalance situations and the intra or let's say the proximal muscle imbalance Uh, the medial hamstrings versus the lateral hamstrings versus the adductors. So we'll see a lot of different ways that this could play out. Um, The 
the most revealing motion test that I have for this is looking at how the tibia is rotating or if it's stuck. Just if someone's hip abductors and adductors are imbalanced uh, because the transverse stability of the pelvis is off, this is a very complicated issue that I'm bringing up and it's not going to get solved on this podcast. It is something you just to be aware of and to take to your practitioner. Uh, probably not the orthopedic surgeon. They're just going to look at you and <laughs> say, I can't put a hammer or a nail to it, so I can't really help you. This is something a chiropractor could look at, maybe a muscle, definitely a muscle activation technique specialist, ART, all these modalities that I've mentioned that have this like really global and functional way of viewing the body through the muscles. And of course, MATs at the top of that list for who's who I think it would be the best at that. Very biased, obviously. And then we have the imbalance, the global scale of that. So a big cover-up job. This could be coming from mechanisms that are top-down. So an imbalance that starts in the shoulders or the neck or even the elbow and it's causing problems all the way down to the hamstrings and the feet. This could be a top or a bottom up problem where we're talking about the feet. I definitely start with either addressing this as the problem for weak hamstrings or eliminate it as a possibility as quickly as I can. It does take a few sessions when we're talking about multiple sites of muscle imbalances in my clients, which isn't uh, abnormal. It's pretty standard. And we're looking at the foot function specifically because every step we take has pretty much a direct influence on the knee and the hip and the lower back. It's instantaneous. We're not talking about a minute. We're talking about seconds of influence. As much as you want to pick up a cup and your hand muscles have to tense up, it's, you know, it's that quick with the feet too. As soon as you step down, as soon as the foot hits the ground, if the forces are inefficient over and over and over again, there's going to be problems up the chain. So with hamstrings and weakness in particular, I'm looking at something called pronation and supination of the uh, ankle or the subtalar joint. And if those are inefficient, we try to eliminate that right away. I um, don't have a quick solution to this. I think it, you know, the foot muscles in general are very underserved and rightfully so. It's There's a lot of muscles, there's a lot of joints and yeah. So anyways, the point is inefficient foot muscles, old trauma at the feet, pain at the feet, old 
old ankle sprains. I, for me, like my, one of my issues was I had frostbite in one of my toes and that had made an impact on my hamstrings and my knee health. Um, and that kind of blew my mind when I, that first came to light. I did want to cover my strength training program for a big ski trip that I have coming up. Uh, I think I'm going to have to do that with a guest. I want to share what I'm doing. So I'm taking this on as a huge experiment and you know, I think the results, if it doesn't go well, have a serious consequence. Skiing is a dangerous, high-risk sport, no matter you know how many times I've been to Aspen and watched all these old people go down the mountain. I'm not ageist, but I'm in awe of their bodies putting up with it. And I'm like, okay, I can do this too, right? Like, they definitely have arthritis. And the answer is yeah. So... The program has a lot of strength training. I'm adding in an uh, interval training and aerobic portion to it, which is new. I'm doing some single leg stuff. I'm using these awesome things called the prime solo wedges so I can really get deep knee bends and really strengthen my quads. So far, I've been extremely impressed with that. And I'm also using a sauna, but yeah, I'm going to just say it. We're out of time. So it's going to have to get covered in a different episode. Uh, It is all written down. If you want to chat about it and ask questions about a ski injury prevention program and ski strength and conditioning program, let's, let's chat it up. Also, I haven't even plugged this yet. I am offering a hamstring guide for free and it should cost money because it is so valuable. It's not going to be free for long. I'm just getting it out there because I love my community. I love helping people problem solve. And look, I know I'm not helping everyone because not everyone wants to think this deeply about their body and improve their body. And they might even not even have the opportunity or the um, means to do so or the energy to do so because they have so many other problems day to day. So we're blessed to even cross this bridge together. And the, this hamstring guide is my offering and it's free. So Get in the show notes to check that out. And if you feel so compelled to leave a review, I would gladly accept them. And I would gladly accept your uh, follow on Instagram. My handle is impact underscore your underscore fitness. Impact your fitness. And on Twitter at Jen Impact. I was just on a really cool podcast for West Virginia Soccer Association where we talked about pre session routines. So you'll find all my stuff. <laughs>